Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to From Bob's Office Sports Talk. What happened to Hello Sports Fans or whatever? Hello Ow. Sports Fans! Yeah, rude to our <laughs> podcast listening audience. They'll figure it out. Okay. <laughs> we could just put for like the first few minutes for like volume warning. Also, I forgot to establish earlier, we're officially calling this portion the From Bob's Sports Desk. Sports thing. That's such a hard thing to From say. From Bob's Sports Desk. No, it'd be great. So, we're trying a new thing. We're recording this podcast right now, and we're on Instagram Live, so thank you to the few of you who have joined so far. By the way, you're on your actual account, not the front Oh, account. I'm an idiot. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Bye. Well, keep talking about podcasts. Uh, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Dang it. Yep, Jacob uh, did the mess up, and he did it on the wrong account. So that was okay for our first time, but um, we're never doing that again. No, I mean, like, we're never messing up again. So, yeah, that was slightly embarrassing. Glad I picked that up right away, though. <laughs> I was going to join in because people were chatting and I couldn't read it, so I was like, you know what, let's go in there so I can see what what it says. Oh, it's even higher. Is that better? Let's see. This is really bad podcast. It is. Ding. Apologizing for <laughs> Okay, the video has now officially gone back onto, we're on the From Bob's Office account, so we're back, making things happen correctly. Good thing Jake is on top of things, otherwise that would not have worked out. All right, well, now that we wasted that time, we'll just get right into it. We're going to start by reviewing the football games from this weekend, and they were really, really good football games. Um, they were very entertaining. All of them are pretty enjoying. That wasn't <laughs> words. Pretty enjoyable. <coughs> The first one was probably the worst one in terms of entertainment value. Yeah, um, that's saying a lot. Vikings at 49ers was just domination by the 49ers from start to finish. Um, one of the most telling stats, I think, and we had previously mentioned it going on, the Vikings, who have a decent offense, and one of the best running backs in the league, Dalvin Cook, rushed for 21 yards. Which is terrible. Like <laughs> That's really bad. Like, if you want to establish a good offense, you have to be able to run and throw the ball off of that. Yeah. And when you have one of the best running backs in the league, who was an MVP candidate for most of the season until he got hurt a little bit near the end, and he only has nine carries for 18 yards, and so you make Kirk Cousins handle the whole load, which he did relatively well. He went 21 for 29. But... um. Thanks, Ashton. Ashton's <laughs> in math class following us right now, so that's cool. Um, yeah, Cousins hasn't shown that he can step up huge in big games yet. He's really bad on Monday Night Football. Still not impressed by him, but I love playing him twice a year. He's a good he's a good regular season quarterback, but has not been able to do much in the playoffs. I mean, j it's not like Jimmy Garoppolo had a good game. He's 11 for 19 for 131 yards. Like that's he just has nothing. to do what he has to do, pretty much. But they're running. What did their running game do? Well, they had. 180 rushing yards. Nope, 186 rushing yards. I mean, that's not terrible. Tevin Coleman, 22 for 105 and two touchdowns. So when you can establish yourself to stop the run and you show you can run the ball, that is a very good recipe for success in the playoffs. Um, uh, the regular season's a bit more flashy with people throwing the ball over the place, but as we've seen so far in the playoffs, when you can run well, you control the tempo of the game, that tends to go really well. So... It was a dominant performance by San Francisco. Yep, they looked good from beginning to end pretty much. For, I think it was like the first quarter they were both at seven where they kind of both looked kind of even, and then San Francisco took over fast. Yep. I mean, it was seven to seven at the end of the first and 14 to 10 at the end of the second, and then San Francisco just held them in the second half, and Minnesota couldn't do anything about it. So. Yep, so San Francisco advances. Do we think San Francisco looks like the number one seed? Mm, I don't know. Uh, their defense is super good, but I, I still see a lot of flaws that can be taken advantage of. Such as their offense. I think Jimmy Garoppolo can be slowed down because I mean I think he's good, but I don't think he matches up with Aaron Rodgers good wise. I mean they don't have to. They're not playing against each other. They're well, playing against the I, other team's defense. I mean our defense. I think our front seven can contain him, just like their front seven could probably contain ours. So it'd be. I think it's going to be a pretty even game. I think we'll Aaron get, Jones... We'll get to preview later. We're still talking about this game. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you see some of the Richard Sherman stuff afterwards? 
um, that he said you like that. Richard Sherman said that? Yeah, after his pick. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, that was pretty funny. I meant his, like, post-game comments. Oh, no. Did you see... Um, well, so there, there's two that I want to mention. First was his reaction to the Vikings offensive coordinator getting hired to be... Oh, instead of their offensive coordinator? No. Um, I don't think that's why. I He only... He responded something like, wow, just wow, to the Vikings offensive coordinator getting hired. Who hired him? I think the Browns did. Yeah, to be the head Browns coach. head coach. And so I... I didn't see any follow-up to it. I only saw the one tweet, and it was Sherman just being like, wow, that's incredible. Like, like from a – in disbelief, he mm-hmm. couldn't believe that this happened. And so, A, I think it has – I think there might be a slight race thing to it that, wow, another white head coach instantly gets a job right after the fact. I don't know what the Browns' hiring process was, but the Rooney rule in terms of having to at least interview a minority coach in the process – is is under fire right now because teams are just it feels like teams are doing it just to live up to that rule i didn't even know that was no a rule intention. yeah they they put it in a few years ago um because if you have to interview people like that'll give you the chance to hear from and talk to people who normally you wouldn't mm-hmm. so maybe they don't get that job but in future jobs you go oh we interviewed that guy and he had a really good interview we really liked him mm. and so maybe it's possible for him to get this next job like having more interviews isn't a bad thing and so so I think there might be something like that to it Sherman didn't specifically say it so I'm not going to attribute it but I wouldn't be surprised if that is part of it based on some of the stuff that's been happening recently in terms of hiring in terms of how many white coaches there are and the lack of minority coaches in the NFL but I think Sherman's main point was wow we just throttled this Minnesota offense. They did nothing yeah. against us. That is and now this is the coach. guy that you're going to go make your head coach of of this Cleveland team. Um, I think that is probably a valid point, though San Francisco had a good offense. Or not San Francisco. Minnesota had a decent yeah, enough offense. Yeah, they were top, uh, so, top. I think they were top ten, weren't they? Or I would think it, something I think. like that. So um, I think Sherman's doubt is warranted, but I also think – over the course of the last two seasons, at least, Minnesota has had a good team that has shown a good, well-rounded offense yeah. with a good running game, a good passing game. Maybe not the best at either one, not the best offense overall. But still but productive. Pretty good. So, I, I don't know. I just Plus, <coughs> him going to a team like the Browns, I can see that being a productive move because, in a way, they can play just like the Vikings do, where they have two good receivers that will go deep, and they have a running back who will do everything in between. I don't disagree. It's just really hard. Like, you're going into, I don't know. I think sometimes coordinators should just stay coordinators and head coaches mm-hmm. should just be head coaches. Like, I know people move around and you move up and stuff, so I don't know what what it looks like for this offensive coordinator to move on and become a head coach. But, like, how many times does Lane Kiffin have to fail at being a head coach for him to just stay an offensive coordinator? How many times does Josh McDaniels have to fail as a head coach to just stay an offensive coordinator? Like, those are two of the best offensive game, offensive minds in the game, I think. Those are two mm-hmm. phenomenal offensive coordinators. And they go on to be head coaches and try it. Like McDaniels is getting interviewed and stuff. Well, there's no more opening spots now. Well, he his name was being thrown around at a lot of these things. Like, just just be the best offensive coordinator in the game. Make your money and win that way. Like, I mean, if people are ambitious, I get it. You want to move up. But when you're the best at it, just be the best at it. I don't mm. know. That's... So, it's interesting. I think, obviously, the Freddie Kinchins thing didn't work out with no. Cleveland. And so, that <laughs> that they moved on from that era. Even though I think it's funny that they kept um, Hugh Jackson <laughs> around to go 1-31 and 31 over two seasons. And then Freddie Kinchins comes in and wins six games, seven yeah, games? Yeah, six. And get out. <laughs> so, I, you know, whatever that's worth. Um, but I'm just inclined going back to Sherman I'm just inclined to not be a fan of Sherman Mm. he is loud it's not just that he's like loud like there's a lot of loud guys he's just loud and comes off as like all of you people are idiots and I know what I'm talking about and you don't give me the time of day it's like you went to to Stanford Stanford. he's pretty smart we went to Stanford we know you're smart you are one of the best players the other thing I was going to mention is he he in a press conference after the game too was talking about 
how he doesn't understand why he gets so much hatred from people and he shows day in and day out that he's the best and he quoted all these stats and stuff. And it's all impressive. Richard Sherman, you are one of the best defensive backs in the game, if not the best. Um, but it's the way you conduct yourself for mm-hmm. the most part. Like there are plenty of people who are confident, whatever. Like I'm not stoked to how Jalen Ramsey goes about conducting himself. He's on my team. I think he's a fantastic defensive back. But it's just like you don't have to always be disrespectful and always hold yourself above everybody else. If that's what it takes for your personality to make you be the player you are, then so be it. Like if you're on my team, I'd be stoked you're on my team because you're a phenomenal defensive player and I'm for it. So I understand that aspect. But yeah. I feel like just like even if you go back to the whole Michael Crabtree thing, like I understand Crabtree didn't handle the end of that game well. We're not going to review. We're not. We don't have time to set the whole stage, but. Look up what happened between Richard Sherman and Michael Crabtree in a playoff game a few years back. And Crabtree didn't want to shake Richard Sherman's hand at the end of the game. So Sherman just went on this crazy post-game rant about how trash Crabtree is and don't come at me with all this stuff. And just like from that moment, I already didn't like Sherman, but that moment just cemented like, you just won probably the biggest game of your career, one of them. Like, who cares what Michael Crabtree's doing? Why did you feel the need to go single him out in that moment? Like, just be happy that your team won. Be Use all of that. I'm stoked at the energy. Use all of that energy to just be amped about your team. Why all yeah. of a sudden make it? Now you're making it about the other team. You're taking away from what you accomplished and making it about the other team. I feel like in this moment, Sherman is taking away from what like, I don't even hear anybody talk about him being bad. I don't... I've never heard anyone be like, he's bad. I've never heard him say like, that, yeah, that he's people, washed up. People like, had doubts coming into this season, I think, or last season and a half, because he hurt his Achilles. That's a major injury. Yeah, it is fine to doubt somebody coming back from an Achilles injury, because that's crazy. Too, it's like, yeah. So, if those doubts exist, like, that's just... Everybody would feel that way if anyone had hurt their Achilles. That's a normal thing. So it's not like no one has ever doubted your abilities. You clearly are a phenomenal player. I just feel like now you went on this, you had this post-game statement and now made, instead of it being a whole team effort, now everyone's focused on you. Yeah. Like, I haven't heard anybody else's name. They don't show any other stuff from the the post-game conferences. Like, everything's focused on just Richard Sherman. And I just think that's... Unfair to the rest of the team that put out this really, really good dominant performance on in all aspects of their game, and everyone's focused on Sherman, as mm-hmm. if Tevin Coleman's 100 yards and two touchdowns didn't matter, as if the rest of the defense, as if Bosa, Bosa out here getting hurt on a play, and then the entire stadium chanting his name when he stood up because they were all in on that. Like <laughs> That's such a cool moment that very few people are going to have known happened because they're focused on Richard Sherman. So for me, that's... That's just one last thing about this game is um quick thing about Stefan Diggs. Um he is now the only two touchdowns he's ever scored in the playoffs have been forty yard plays pretty much. And the last one was the Minnesota Miracle. Well, or was it Minneapolis Miracle? Minneapolis, Minneapolis Miracle. Same thing. Yeah. Same state. He's a home run hitter. I also don't like him though, so well, he probably won't be on the So the second game like Saturday was the Titans at the Ravens. And here's the deal. I am all in on the Titans bandwagon. Heck yeah, it's great. <laughs> like, I am so... I Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill was a joke. From the moment he got drafted to, like, playing in Miami, all this stuff, like, it was, how bad is this guy going to be? No one actually believes that he's going to be good. And that continued in, like, through Miami, it was like, okay, he's not good. This is not going to work. I almost fell over. <laughs> And so him coming over to Tennessee, he's backing up Marcus Mariota. And the season gets off to a rough start. And then Tannehill in week like six or something comes in. And then, so if they were two and four, that means they went nine and three the rest of the season. Like that's, or whatever, yeah. So, and it's not just him. When he started throwing, A.J. Brown, their receiver, rookie receiver that, is a massive dude that just started balling out too. And Derrick Henry. I have loved Derrick Henry since he was at Alabama. This guy is a monster. We talked about on the show last week, and he just continues to do it. He is the first running back in NFL history to have three straight games of at least 100 rushing, 180 rushing yards. That's insane. 
it's insane that he did it because this week was 195 rushing yards. But it's in, I think it's crazy that no player has ever done that before. It's really hard. 180 yards is a lot. If you averaged 180 yards for a whole season, that would be upwards of like 2,400 yards. Yeah. So <laughs> that average obviously is way too much. But to do that, I feel like somebody would have done that three games in a row, but maybe not. So Derrick Henry is a monster. He's out here getting 30-plus carries. Like It's not like he has an 80-yard run and a 50-yard run and then – 10, 15 more carries after that. Like, he's putting in 30 carries for 195 yards, and the previous week was like 34, 35 carries for 180-something yards. He is a beast. And I I thought going in, we talked about it last week, I thought going in Baltimore would be able to stop it and that Baltimore's offense would be too much for Tennessee to keep up with. And I was dead wrong. <laughs> Tennessee's defense was able to mess with Jackson a little bit. Jackson had two interceptions one the first one was a tipped ball that maybe the receiver should have caught it was a tough play so um one thing about that one is that mark andrews is coming back from an ankle injury so he knew that he couldn't jump up like that too though so the ball was high and so i mean it was kind of a poor decision on his front still because he knew that mark andrews can't jump like that like he can normally so you don't throw high still still a tip ball that's rough and gets intercepted um he had another interception later on that was 100% his fault. It was an out route that just he just short-armed, and the DB uh, got in the way and went and got it. And then he had a fumble when he like was getting about to get sacked, got out of the sack, ran to his left. The same guy who almost sacked him came back, hit him. They recovered the ball. So Jackson had three turnovers, and it just felt like he was forcing things i think the receivers had a few drops like baltimore just seemed had a lot of drops out of sorts yeah baltimore seemed out of sorts the entire game which is crazy it's a home game lamar jackson i think has three losses in his starting career or maybe four losses or five well they're maybe it's five losses well yeah three this year but i think he had two losses at a starter last year so he has between the regular season and postseason lamar jackson has five career losses and two of them are home playoff games So now everyone wants to, like, attack that. You ran into a buzzsaw. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that Tennessee would win 10 out of 10 games against Baltimore every time. But based on playing style and the momentum that Tennessee has right now, like, I wouldn't be surprised if they would win five or six of those games. But Baltimore, it just seemed like an off day. seemed like Lamar just wasn't in a rhythm. It took until the fourth quarter for Lamar to be like, all right, forget the rest of you. I need to do this on my own. And he started, like, moving the ball and doing stuff. And do they do they score to jump? Well, they were all field goals. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they were. All, or dang, was it all four field goals? No, they went for two. Oh, got it. Um, later in the game. Um, but they went for they had two fourth and ones that they went for and didn't get them when they had been 100 percent successful on fourth and one situations all regular season. Um, so all of that is just crazy. It was very surprising, and it's a, it was a fun game to watch, though. Derrick Henry going out there looking like a predator from the Predator movies. <laughs> Running people down, destroying them. Yeah. He, killing childhood <laughs> dreams. The the one long run he had when Earl Thomas tried to tackle him, mm-hmm. and he first stiff arms Earl Thomas in the face, so that throws Thomas kind of off balance, and they're still both running forward. And Thomas now has his back to Derrick Henry. And there's a great video of Thomas running forward and Henry running forward. And Henry is, like, using Thomas as a lead blocker. (laughs) And it's great. Which is crazy, I think, because, like, Earl Thomas is, like, one of the best safeties to play in a long time. And so, like, it's really funny just to see him just get bullied. Because Derrick Henry's so massive. (laughs) Like, Earl Thomas looked like nothing compared to Derrick Henry. So yeah, just you know, one of the one of the captions for a post like that was like, Earl Thomas got stiff arms so hard he became a lead blocker. <laughs> I I thought that was hilarious. Um, and then Ryan Tannehill's over here like, all I got to do is hand it off to Derrick Henry and complete like three passes. Okay, because <laughs> didn't he have like two touchdowns still? Like out of his eight yeah, throws. But, okay, so here's the thing. Yes, one the first touchdown was an insane catch by Johnu Smith. That was like a juggling oh, back yeah, of yeah. the end zone, land on his butt inbounds. It was great. <laughs> um, did you hear the announcers during that one? No, I wasn't even. I oh, didn't see the man, you missed the best announcing I've ever heard. 
they're like, is that one cheek in? Can you spread cheeks? Like, oh, <laughs> they were like, that's unfortunate. And then like, someone's like, are you allowed to say that on TV? <laughs> like, I don't just like, think so. did you hear the, did you hear the game last? Or I'll get to that later, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, it also kind of has the same thing <laughs> about Jadavian Clowney. How he got hurt? I don't remember. Oh well, I'll talk about that later. Um, so, so that happened early in the first quarter. That was the start of the game, and then the <laughs> the Titans get the ball back um, pretty early in the second quarter, and forty-five yard touchdown pass. So it's like, all right, Tannehill's in a rhythm. He's going to control this game. Henry's going to run the ball, whatever. Tannehill had a total of. 88 passing yards. <laughs> Half of them were on one touchdown. 45 yards on one, and 43 the rest of the game on six more completions. That's crazy to think, actually. He's the first quarterback in 74 years to win two, was it two playoff games? It had to be two playoff games, but With throwing less than 100, less than 100 yeah. yards, because he only had 73 or something last week. So That's because Derrick Henry had 400 yards. Yeah. I, and a, touch, a throwing <laughs> touchdown. <laughs> so... In crazy land, because, okay, Baltimore comes into this game heavily favored. Home team, going to destroy them. Number one so, seed. upside down world. Tennessee dominates the game physically, mentally, emotionally, all that jazz. Ryan Tannehill had a rushing touchdown late in the game. They were on, like, two yards out of the end zone. And Tannehill, Tannehill made, like, it wasn't just, like, a QB dive. He went to the right. Made a couple moves, juked a guy, and yeah, got in the I, end zone. Like, he's very athletic because he was a former wide receiver. So Tannehill had a rushing touchdown. And before that happened, they had the ball uh, pretty deep, too, again, on like the two- or three-yard line. They come out in a formation that has Derrick Henry lined up behind the center and Marcus Mariota running across <laughs> in motion. Um, so Tannehill wasn't even on the field for it. Mariota runs across in motion. The, the ball is snapped to Henry. Henry starts to run right, takes like two or three steps, then stops, jumps, and throws just a lob pass into the back of the end zone uh, for a touchdown. And I was, we had people at our house eating dinner, and I was by myself in the living room watching TV. And I was just like, oh my, like I was freaking out the entire game. Everybody in the kitchen probably thought I was an idiot. But I was going nuts because it was great. It was to Corey Davis in the end zone, and I was I was so happy. So Tannehill had a rushing touchdown. Derrick Henry had a passing touchdown. So all of a sudden, they bring up all these old videos from Derrick Henry in high school throwing touchdown passes. Oh, I didn't even know that. That's cool. <laughs> I mean, I think it was just the one video over and over where, like, you see Henry roll right, and he just throws the ball, like, 40 <laughs> yards downfield, and this guy catches it. Also, the throwing motion you just did off screen was terrible. Sorry. Left. Um, <laughs> it was It was great. So... I was just very entertained. I Here's the thing. I'm not emotionally attached to either of these teams at all. Like, Lamar Jackson is incredibly entertaining. Ingram is a Bama guy. Um, but, like, Derrick Henry's a Bama guy, and I love the Titan story. So, during the game, I'm like, whatever. Whoever wins is fine. But I love upsets. I love playoff <laughs> upsets. That's what makes playoffs super fun and entertaining Five for me. Heisman winning players in yeah, one game. that was dope, too. Tennessee has two in Mariota and Henry, and Baltimore has three in Lamar Jackson, Robert Griffin the third, and Mark Ingram. First time I think that had ever happened. Yeah. Well, so. I, yeah, of course. That's it. That's insane to think <laughs> even. It was crazy. So that was a really fun, entertaining game, and I could not be happier with the result that a number one goes down and a Bama guy is just destroying fools. For the record, I talked about this a long time ago. I'm a USC fan number one, but I'm an Alabama fan number two. And that predates Nick Saban. I started watching Alabama before Nick Saban got there. So I don't want to hear any comments about me being like a bandwagon or something. No, I've been on the Bama train for a while. So those are Saturday's games. Sunday's I love games. having professional football on Saturdays. <laughs> my day was it's mildly complicated because of it. But that's okay. So Saturday's games. Oh, man. You mean Sunday, by the way. Sunday's games. <laughs> First game... So with the with how crazy and intense the <laughs> the Ravens Titans game was Texans at Chiefs the way that started looked like something similar was going to happen. Houston went up 24 nothing. They score they score on a, like a 40 something yard touchdown pass or 54 yard touchdown pass to Kenny Stills 
less than three minutes into the game. They're like, wow, they came out firing. That's dope. Okay. Baltimore gets the ball. Three and out. Not Baltimore. Kansas City gets the ball. Three and out. Travis Kelsey has a drop on third down. That would have been a conversion. So it's fourth down. They go to punt the ball. Chiefs have Dustin Colquitt, one of the best punters over the last 15 years. Dude's a boss. Gets blocked by one of my favorite names in the NFL, Barkevius Mingo. <laughs> I love him. Out of LSU, but I forgive him for that. And he, like, blocked it solidly. He dives through and gets his arm up, and it hits him square in the arm and bounces backwards. And it's recovered by Lonnie Johnson, returned for a touchdown. So all of a sudden, 14 nothing Houston, less than five minutes into the game, and we are having flashbacks of Tennessee dominating Baltimore and thinking, wow, this is going to be great. Doesn't even end there. Houston goes up 21 nothing in the first quarter. And they kick a field goal four minutes in the second quarter. So they're up 24 to nothing on the number two seed in Kansas City. And Kansas City just looks terrible. Houston looks like they're going to run away with it. I am hyped because this is going to be another huge upset. This is great. I As little skin in the game as I had for Baltimore, Tennessee, I had even less for Kansas City, Houston. Like, I do not care about either of these teams. I think Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes are equally entertaining. And they both have talented wide receivers. Like, I, whatever. They, I could care less. Although I really, really, really like J.J. Watt. <clears throat> but then things happened. Yeah. Uh, I was like, that's an interesting <laughs> I feel segment. like I'm talking a lot. And <laughs> it's okay. I, I've been yawning a lot. I'm, we'll I mean, you'll talk a lot during Packers-Seahawks, I guess. Heck, yeah. Um, so in a total of 3 minutes and 30 seconds, the Chiefs come out and score three touchdowns. All of which to Travis Kelsey, right? Well, the first one was Damian Williams. Uh, well, Travis Kelsey scored three in the first half, though, right? Yeah, he scored, he scored three in a row after that. Because, yeah, the three the three touchdowns were within three minutes and 23 seconds of each other. Which is insane. And the th- I'm pretty sure, was it the third one or the fourth one to Kelsey, or the second one or third one to Kelsey, that was the, the, um, the like, touch pass that he almost went over the line? I, I didn't see that one. I got, oh, that yeah, one was, I so I forget which one, because um, they scored. The Chiefs scored with 6:37 left in the half to make it 24-21, and then they scored again with 50 seconds left in the half to take the lead, which is insane. Houston was up 24 nothing early in the second quarter, and then the Chiefs scored four touchdowns in a row to take the lead at halftime. But on one of them, Mahomes rolls to his left. And he's running, and he's, like, pump faking, and it's you don't know if he's going to keep it and run and try to score or if he's going to try to get a throw off. And at the last possible second, he reaches the line of scrimmage and just throws this, like, side dink little shot to Kelsey, who's standing on the end zone line. And it's a catch and a score, and they review it. And the rule for being over the line is you your entire body – for it to be considered an illegal forward pass, your entire body has to be across the original line of scrimmage. And in real time, it looked like Mahomes had gone too far. But in super slow-mo, for whatever innate reason Mahomes had, he dragged his back foot so his toes were still at the line of scrimmage when he let go of the ball. And whether he was thinking about it or whether there's some strong subconscious in him that tells him that to do awesome, important things, whatever <laughs> it may be, he is talented enough that I can believe that. He did it, and it counted, and Kansas City took a 28-24 halftime lead. I definitely thought that it was over the line the entire time. Even after the replay? I don't know if I saw that one. Oh, I mean, the <laughs> to replay... To be honest, I don't think... I think I only saw it live, and then I went and did something. Oh, the replay showed that it was very close. Or no, it, we were on our way back from lunch. I was on my way back home from lunch. Uh, yeah, I wasn't able to see it, yeah, I think. Yeah, it, it looked like he was fine. So, it was crazy. And then the Chiefs come out, score a touchdown early in the third quarter, score another touchdown, and they're up 41-24. to So, Houston started the game with a 24 nothing lead. And then the Chiefs scored 41 points in a row, which is insane to do that in a playoff game in this situation. <laughs> to do that in a game in general. <laughs> in any game, let alone a playoff game that you were losing 24. Like, it's one it's one thing to come out and just score 41 points in a row because you're keeping your momentum going. But to be down 24 nothing and then say, all right, game over, let's do this, and to go. There were multiple really funny memes about the Chiefs. Like, there were pictures of Chiefs and them just being like, It'd be really funny if we just gave them 24 points and then started to play and just crushed them. 
Like, and it felt like that's what happened. The Chiefs were just not doing anything at the start of the game and then decided, okay, this is enough. You had your time to put a scare there, yeah, in Yeah, there's a meme, and it was like, what if we let them score 20 points and then we start playing? Yeah, it's, it was great. So so they end up winning 51-31, to 31, and <laughs> it just it went from blowout, close game, blowout. The opposite way, yeah. So from 24 nothing to 51-31, that scored them 51-7 to seven in three quarters. That in is, less than three that quarters. That is insane. That's that shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> that's the mag- also the magic of Patrick Mahomes. Can I point something out real quick? Yes. The website says, "Are you a uh, a stat head?" And I thought it said something else. <laughs> <laughs> From over here, I'm like, "Oh, that's aggressive." Yeah. No, it's for those wondering. It's ProFootballReference.com. If you ever need any kind of stat or game, anything, just ask me. Yeah, or go to a reliable source and look up sportsreference.com, and it's got football, baseball, basketball, hockey. It has minor league baseball. It has college football. It has, it's the best stat resource I have ever come across. So, so a website that's called Pro Football has baseball stats? No, that's why it's sportsreference.com. Oh, and then from I, I sports see where it says. You can go to profootballreference.com. Yeah, I thought that was pro. You can go to baseballreference.com, hockeyreference.com, and it's very, very reliable. So... Anyway, so that was a crazy, entertaining game. And fun note, it was the first game in NFL history to finish with a final score of 51-31. to 31, which Scorigami. <laughs> Scorigami, which apparently that's a website, and they keep track of these types a, of things. Yeah, there's a Twitter account. So it's the 1,054th different slash unique final score that has ever happened in NFL history, which... It's a weird, dumb thing, but I think it's pretty cool that no game has ever ended 51-31. to 31. So, that was a really crazy way to start Sunday, and then Sunday night was its own intense situation. It was a great game, Sunday night. Tell the people. Sunday night, my Green Bay Packers insult or not, I want to say insult. They inserted themselves, and they made them... Pretty much the team I knew they were. We uh we won, we did great. Um, except for the second half, we we struggled a little bit during the second half, but all together I think we we're still pretty good. I was pretty happy. I got worried though at the, the second half because we started our defense kind of struggled a little bit. Uh, once Russell Wilson kind of realized who he was and started running a lot, which I feel like we're gonna be fine because Jimmy G doesn't really do that. But that's for a different time. Um, I think our offensive line held held them really well. Held uh, their front seven, who's a big front seven, nasty front seven for Seattle. And luckily, we were able to contain them, and we weren't let we, we didn't let them destroy Aaron Rodgers, which I was afraid of that Jadavion Clowning was going to hurt Aaron Rodgers because you know he did last week. <laughs> um, he took Carson Wentz out of the game last week early, and yep. I was really afraid that he would try to do something again. Uh, there was one questionable play, or two questionable plays. Nope, one questionable play with him that I was pretty upset about. But with Clowney? Yeah. He so Aaron Rodgers um, is either Clowney or Bobby Wagner, but one of them, uh, Aaron Rodgers slid down, and instead of like he got touched by someone, and then one of them kept coming, and like their forearm hit Aaron Rodgers' helmet. I'm like. Like, that's a late hit, but they wasn't call or anything because they were like, who's in motion? But I don't know. It's still a late hit. And then also with Bobby Wagner, when he grabbed onto um, Aaron Jones and pushed him a long way and then kept pushing him and threw him on the ground and, like, stood over him. And, and then he, like, stood over him and pled to the ref, I didn't do anything wrong. And I'm like, yeah, you clearly just did. The whistle was blown 10 yards ago, and you just threw him down. Like, what do you mean you didn't do anything wrong? And I was pretty upset about that. I don't think I remember either of those plays. Pretty upset. Um, funny note, Jadamian Clowney was out for a drive because the announcers said he got kicked in the family jewels. <laughs> oh. And I was like, I like, you could probably just say testicles on... <laughs> uh, I think it's safer to not. I don't think I've ever heard a announcer use... I don't think we've ever had to hear that, phrases. though. But, like, I think I've the scientific phrase of, would be okay. Cause, I I've mean, watched a lot of sports <laughs> games across the board where guys have been hit 
in the groin area, and usually that is how it's like, referred to is as the groin area. My mom was like, why wouldn't they just call it groin? I'm like, well, groin kind of like makes me think of like the muscle around it, not That's necessarily. That's what it is, but if you say they were hit in the groin area, everyone knows what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, but it was just really funny that he's like, and was kicked in the family jewels. <laughs> and like they look, went back on like the play, and I'm pretty sure it was a Seattle player who did it. So I was yeah. like, well, That's... I don't feel bad then. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then one thing I also didn't like is a ref stu- stood on one of our players' hands at one point when he was down on the ground. I definitely didn't see that. Yeah, Lazar got when Lazar got the helmet to his hip and was down for like a, a few minutes. Mm-hmm. A ref like walks over and steps on his hand while he's on it. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like, hello. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that. Um, one thing that came away from the game that upset me is we had a play called dead right away. Because one of their players jumped off sides, yeah. and he and it was a touchdown, but it got called dead, and they were like, no, 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 like no play. But then later in the game, Seattle, we jumped off sides, and Seattle was able to get a free play out of it, but we didn't. And I was like, so why do you get a free play, but we didn't get a free play kind of thing? So there is something they, a lot of times they'll call this, they'll say something along the lines of encroachment unabated to the quarterback, which in that case, because otherwise... If the defensive player jumps off really far off sides and the play continues, the defensive player can destroy the quarterback. So they stop the play in that situation because they, they're protecting the quarterback. The defensive player was so far off sides, so quick to go, that they don't want that to be the case. So that that is one reason why they do that. But there were, yeah, the one you're talking about with Clowney, I think it was Clowney, or maybe there was an earlier play. But there was something where there wasn't offsides, and they st- – I don't know why they stopped it. Like, he, he jumped, and then he came back, and they still yeah. called the play dead. It and instantly called it dead. And I so was the like, result of the play, I'm not – you can't say it resulted in a touchdown. Like, half the people don't play. We scored a touchdown the next dr- – like, the next – But, I mean, in terms of that play, like, to be like, we scored a touchdown on the yeah. play. I know. I'm not mad about that. Play, I'm yeah. more mad that we got it called back. Yeah. All right, we got it called dead, but they didn't. Yeah. So – which I, I think that's understandable to be upset about because, like, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it becomes a judgment call for the ref if they think they need to do that. But I, I'm curious as to what the exact rule is. Also, the the no fumble or like the the fumble thing where they said that we don't have enough evidence to say that Green Bay recovered the fumble. I I was so upset about that. Jake we sent, clearly Jake did. Jake sent a text into our group chat and said something along the lines of, "That is ridiculous." In capital letters, ever that is ridiculous. Yeah. Like that. And 100% should have been a fumble and recovered by us, I, I feel like. I don't think, after watching the replays, I did not think there was video, for sure video evidence, that you guys reco- clearly recovered the ball. You know how crazy that would have been if we would have got that there first drive? Ugh. It would have been. But in that situation, I don't think it was 100%. Like, you have to be sure, and it was sketchy. Make it that. like flag football. The second it's fumble, it's turnover just instantly. That's not how it works in flag football. The yeah, second, I no, if you fumble, it just ends the play, and it's still the same team's ball. Oh, never mind then. I think it should be the other way. <laughs> yeah. Give it to me. No. So, two other notes. Um, I forgot what the second one was going to be. So, the first note. Oh, no. I remember. So, there was one play that, again, kind of – it didn't determine the game. I'm not saying that in any way, shape, or form. But it came at a very important moment when uh, Seattle got a f- – or when Green Bay had the first down. Was it Jimmy Graham? Oh, the Jimmy, and the, yeah. the last play? Yeah. Yeah. So it's third down. I don't even know what down it was. But they had a few yards to go. Graham catches it, and he's tackled. And on TV, he looks very short. Uh, yeah, very you, short. You see this. You've seen this one, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, so you, that's you what know what say. I mean. That, yes. That so he was good. You have, <laughs> you have to let me tell the story. <laughs> Sorry. People, it's my team. I it's get upset. <laughs> So Jimmy Graham gets tackled. It looks like he he is, at that point, short of the yellow line that is on TV, the superimposed yellow line that they'd show on TV so that you know where the first down is and stuff. And so everyone's going nuts. But an ESPN, I posted about this on my own personal Instagram account, that ESPN posted a, a still of the video of Graham down, his helmet is like, on the yellow line, and so the ball is definitely short of the yellow line, and ESPN posted it with the caption of, like, this play was called a first down, what do you think? Clearly inciting argument to be like, 
clearly the NFL got this wrong. Clearly the play was called wrong. What do you think about it? When, in fact, the yellow line, even in the still that ESPN posted, it is obvious that the yellow line is at least a half yard forward of where it should be. There is a yard marker. There's like a hashtag. Not a hashtag. There's like a hash mark. Sorry. There's a hash mark on the sideline. And you can see that the yellow line is ahead of it and that the actual like first down mark, it's not significantly. It's uh, it's obvious, but it's not like it's a full yard ahead. It's, it it's obvious like that it's on the far side of the hash and it's obvious that the actual first down marker is on the near side of the hash. So the two, those two lines are nowhere near each other considering how close the play was. And the ball, where the ball was in Graham's grasp, sure looked like it was close enough to the hash to be a first down. But according to the yellow line, it clearly looked short. So that was frustrating because it was called a first down. I, I think, think properly it was called a first down. And effectively ended the game because then Green Bay was able to kneel from there. <clears throat> but everyone went nuts on Twitter and Instagram again. It's like, guys, pay attention to what's actually I going on I think even – it's like I have a thing where it's like, one, maybe they should have brought the chains out to render it, which I would have been okay with if they did that. And two, even if that wasn't a first down, we would have done a QB sneak and it would have been a first down. Okay. You, can't, you can't assume anything well, forward – especially based on the best running quarterback in the league being stuffed on two fourth and ones. Or, uh, I mean, our, our line Jackson. was playing pretty well. I okay. think we'll be okay. You can't assume. We would have gotten you – can't, you can't assume that. You don't know if the ball gets fumbled or if something weird happens. They got the first down, and that's all. Like, there's no controversy whatsoever. I had I had a student message me back, like, do you think this was like the Rams Saints last year? No, not even a little. This was incontrovertible that he got the first down, and it didn't matter. So – my only other note was Devontae Adams, clearly the best receiver on the Packers, and he's wide open all the time. Uh, that's, <laughs> like one thing I, that's one thing I, I noticed right away is like also like – Seattle, play some defense. Well, also, Seattle's corners, like, they aren't that great in my opinion. Like, Trey Flowers is good, but he's not on par with Devontae Adams. I, so I mean, you but you, you have to – you have to account for that. You have to account for Devontae Adams is one of the best receivers in the league. He shouldn't be able to just be open yeah. by five to seven yards I think every if he's, single time. If he's going to be playing like that next week, I think it's going to be a good sign. Yeah. I but mean, he is up against Richard Sherman, who will be way more difficult to play against yeah. than Trey Flowers. But I have good confidence that if he comes out strong like he did this week, I am going to really enjoy the game. So looking ahead to next week. Or – Okay, which one do you want to jump to first? Well, we're, since we're on Packers, Niners already talking about it. I think this is going to be a very good game. I, as much as I want the Packers to win, I, I honestly don't know, which is sad because I, I really want us to win. I really want to say we're going to Super Bowl because I would love to go to the Super Bowl and just, it'd be crazy and I'd cry, but at the same time we, we did not play the 49ers well. But we are not the same team, and I don't think they're the same team. I think both of us have a lot of strengths, and but both of us also have weaknesses that can be taken advantage of. So it's going to be very interesting to see how it goes. So a couple important notes for this is Cody and I were talking, and I mentioned I have not obviously I haven't watched as much Green Bay football as other people. I have not been impressed by them. Um, I just think 13 and three is not an accurate assessment of where they're at. Um, but they've made it this far and they've played who's been in front of them and you know, that's not up to them. But in terms of like their wins, they play Chicago and Detroit twice and won all those games. I'm looking at, they beat Chicago twice yes. and beat Detroit twice. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we saw So four of their... Four of their 13 wins are against two terrible teams right there. They beat the Broncos, who were also bad. Beat the 8-8 eight eight Cowboys. Beat the Raiders. Um, beat the Panthers. And the Giants. And the Redskins. Those are all really bad teams. <laughs> okay, and we're literally... <laughs> so I'm just pointing out that... Of their 13 wins, 
beating Minnesota twice is impressive. And beating Kansas City, those are good wins. That's it. With losses to the Eagles, who won their division, and the Chargers, who were trash. So they did what they needed to. They couldn't affect. They couldn't determine their schedule. They played who they played, and they won. Generally, when a team is 13-3, and three, you think they are very dominant. I would not put the Packers in the place of being dominant, but they've done what they needed to do, and they're in a position to show us this is their chance. Now, when they played the Niners earlier this year, also in San Francisco, they lost 37-8, to eight, and it was the Packers coming off a of bye week. So, Playoff football is a lot <laughs> different than I agree. regular season football. But it's also going into San Francisco as opposed to being at home. I'm just, I'm concerned. I don't think, <laughs> I don't care who wins this game at all. I, I, even though the Niners are in our division, I don't have hatred towards them. I don't care about the Packers. Like, whoever wins is whatever. Um, I do think it'll be a good game, but. I mean, the Niners already whooped them once, so but that I don't know. We're also two different teams now than we were then. I don't think San Francisco's different than they were then. They were the last few weeks. San Francisco did not play as well. So that they was played in, well after their bye, week or, after, or they played well this week, but since week twelve, they've lost at Baltimore and at home against the Falcons. And they won at New Orleans. They won at Seattle. And they beat the Rams at home. And handled Minnesota really easily. Okay, but so we're going to be playing different than Minnesota, and we're going to be fine. I, I, I'm just saying your previous statement seems invalid because San Francisco has also been playing really well. So both teams, this is exactly how you want to be at the end of the season. The Packers have now won six straight games. That is good momentum. I'm sure they're feeling great about themselves. Rodgers is playing well. People are healthy. They're in a, as good a spot as they could ask to be in. True or false? They are. Okay. Mostly. San Francisco's now we won have three a games blood in going a row. Around, but. <laughs> and San Francisco's got to be feeling good about themselves. So if these are the two best teams in the NFC going up against each other with both feeling really good and healthy and doing their thing, then this could be a great game. But I'm going to pick San Francisco. The other game is just, I just, you couldn't have matched up two completely different teams <laughs> if you tried. Um, so I'm really excited about Tennessee. We'll see if the Chiefs, I mean, it's going to be cold in Kansas City, and that plays to Tennessee's strength. Tennessee has shown they don't need to throw the ball, and Kansas City has shown that they do need to throw the ball. And so... They already did that once yesterday. Seemed to be fine. They seem to be okay. I'm just the the Texans are built differently than the Titans. So if the Titans start out with a quick lead again, that's going to be way easier for them to hold on to because they can just hand it off to Derrick Henry and he is just going to run people over in a way that takes time. Tex, the Texans did not have. The yeah. Texans do not have running backs that do that. As good as Duke Johnson and I forgot who the other Carlos guy is, Hyde. Carlos Hyde are. They're not Derrick Henry. And so you can't just well, – you can try to stuff seven and eight people up there to tackle Henry, but it's not going to work. You can't so. have a 10-minute drive without Derrick Henry pretty much. So so I'm – I mean, the Chiefs' offense has a lot of firepower. So More than we've seen a lot. Again, again, this like I thought the Ravens had a lot of firepower, but I think the Chiefs' offense is better suited to not slump, and they show they can score a lot of points in a hurry. And Tennessee doesn't score a lot of points in a hurry. So I think the first quarter is going to be huge. Because if the Titans have to play catch-up ball, I think they're screwed. But if the Titans get out to a lead and can control the level of play, then mm -hmm. I think the Chiefs are in trouble. Um, yeah, I I want the Titans to win this one too. Just because underdog, you know, Ryan Tannehill is awesome. I, I really like that he literally has to do two touchdown passes for and like yeah. total 88 yards and he can win these team or he can beat he's already beaten two teams who are like considerably like some of the best the teams Patriots in the NFL Patriots and Ravens like they like and they did it just because they run the ball so well and that's hopefully what they do again is that they can contain the or like 
they can take time away with the run pretty much. So I think I want Tennessee to win, but I think Kansas City's going to win. And I don't care who wins Packers-Niners, but I think the Niners are going to win. So I think it'll be a Niners-Chiefs Super Bowl. What a red Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I wonder what Would the Would they NFL both wear red? No, that's not how that works. Um, oh, they both wear their home jerseys. I don't see. No, they wouldn't do that. Darn, they should. You made a point earlier off air that it would be really cool if it was Chiefs Packers to replay the first Super Bowl in the NFL's 100th year. I think that would be really cool too. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. So I'm predicting Niners Chiefs, hoping for Niners Titans. I'm predicting Packers Chiefs. Hoping for Packers Titans. So we'll see what happens there. So that's a lot of NFL. That took a while. If um, my team wins the Super Bowl, I'm going to cry. I, I So I kind of borderline. <laughs> they've made it this far. So I'm like, oh, now if they lose, Jake's going to be crushed. I am. Uh, <laughs> but if they win, then I have to deal with that for a whole year. I was almost I, crushed with us almost losing last night. Yeah. So um, I, I really don't know where I stand. Uh, my theory still is that if the Packers win the Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers is going to propose after the game when they're like so are you go, or like what's next Aaron Rodgers and normally people are like I'm going to Disney World he's be like Jenica Patrick will you marry me and then there we go speaking and then I of, cry speaking of winning championships tonight is the NCAA college football championship between LSU and Clemson go Tigers we're not going to have a ton of analysis because neither of us really knows a ton about college football. Other than Joe Burrow is a monster. So, yeah. Here here are the two things to watch. LSU and Clemson. So, LSU and Joe Burrow has this year's Heisman Trophy winner and this year's number one pick going to be. Clemson has probably next year's Heisman Trophy winner in Trevor Lawrence and for sure next year's number one pick in Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. So, the two quarterbacks in this game are going to be the two number one picks overall for the next two years. And that is And both insane. have great potential in front of them, I feel like. Yeah. Joe Burrow winning this year's Heisman and doing everything he did coming into this game undefeated. Trevor Lawrence has yet to lose a game in college football. His last loss was like his junior year of high school. Or so, no, like sophomore it, year I of think high school, I think. Early, yeah. So Which Trevor Lawrence crazy. only knows how to win games. As much as I'm inclined, like here's the bad thing about these two. I've had a couple of people ask me who I want to win. I have to root against LSU because they're in the same division as Alabama, and I'm not about that. But Clemson has beaten Alabama in the championship game twice, <laughs> and so I don't like that either. Deshaun that Watson terrible laugh. did it three years ago, and Trevor Lawrence did it last year. So both of these situations are bad for me. Um, I do think Joe Burrow is an interesting character. Uh, there was a great uh, thing, video, but video that got posted i think yesterday when he's being interviewed and somebody shows a picture of him uh oh yeah <laughs> and, he, and they're like what does this look like he said that looks like a heisman trophy winner or something like that and then there's a picture of him it was, it was a picture of him in like eighth grade or something and so that's that was his response and then the reporter says if you could tell young joe burrow something what would you tell him and he tells him and joe burrow says that you look like a national champion because he's <laughs> going to play in the championship game, and that's just quality. You want you want good personality coming out of your Heisman Trophy Future national first round pick, first round pick quarterback. So I love that Cincinnati Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow. But Trevor Lawrence is out here looking like freaking sunshine, running around having sixty yard touchdown runs to seal games and go to I. I don't even know. So I'm just excited to I'm, watch these two quarterbacks be on the biggest stage they can be going one-on-one against each other-ish in the way that you I think it's going to be a great game. Do that. But I, if I was a betting man, which I am, but I'm not putting money on this one because I currently don't have money, um, LSU over Clemson. I'm going to pick Clemson just because I really like Clemson's running back, Travis Etienne. I think he is phenomenal. I didn't realize he was still the running back. Yeah. But LSU has this has a defensive back whose name escapes me. Oh, um, he's great. The, the like true freshman who just dumped. Well, they have Delpit, who is an insane safety. That guy, he won like best safety in college, I think, or maybe one of the best defensive players too. He's going to be a top ten pick probably. But they have a, another a corner who is a shutdown corner right now, 
he's insanely good. And so I'm just prepared for a fantastic game. This is going to be awesome, and I can't wait. Um, this is as hyped as I could get. Like, I wouldn't – like, if it was Oklahoma, okay, fine. If it was – who else? <sighs> Sorry, I, I've been struggle. fighting to sneeze for the last minute and a half, and it's been rough. Who was the other – Ohio State. Like, oh, Oklahoma Georgia. and Ohio State. Well, Georgia wasn't in the top four. I thought they were. No, it was Ohio no, and Oklahoma. it was Ohio State and Oklahoma. You're right. If either one of them would have made it, fine, cool, whatever. They got really good quarterbacks. They have a, this is the matchup that I wanted to watch, and so I'm really excited about it. So it should be a great game. Um, our last baseball note. And oh, yeah. Now our that last Ian's note, here. And we're going to get out. Oh, Justin Jefferson's the receiver for LSU. That guy's a boss. Um, by the way, that story has now increased. Okay, so just tell it then. So we're shifting. That's our football so talk. We're going to shift to baseball. The Astros had a um, – sorry, I'm pulling it up. The Astros had a incident happen to them. I, actually, I wouldn't say incident. A <laughs> confirmed they, they cheat. Created <laughs> they are a cheating organization, them. which doesn't surprise me because they're the Astros. Um, they were – they've been caught cop, – uh, was it? They were stealing stealing signs, signs, using technology, and relaying that information to their players. Well, I mean, no. (laughs) Yes, they used video technology to see the signs and transmit it and then communicate using various means, whistles, trash cans, whatever, in real time so that the catcher would put the sign down, they would see it, and they would relay relay the information through video dugout to the hitter in enough time that the hitter could react. Which is crazy how fast they were able to do that. Yeah, but that's the problem. Which is literally cheating. Yeah. Um, because you can't like, because when a catcher is doing signs to the pitcher, it's to for what pitch to throw, pretty much. And if you know that this person's throwing a fastball, you know, like, put your all in. This is time to hit a home run, kind of thing. Yep. Um. So, there, there's been back and forth with like the league's been back and forth trying to figure out how to punish them. So, an hour ago, I got news: Astros manager AJ Hitch and GM. Jeff uh, Ludnow? Ludnow, yeah. Ludnow? Suspended one year. Uh, suspended one year after Probe finds team cheating during 2017 World Series. Well, 35 minutes ago, I got news the Astros fire A.J. Hitch and general manager in wake of penalties announced by MLB. That surprises me. The penalties don't surprise me because... You're not going to take away – you can't just be like, well, we repeal the World Series championship. That's not a thing. You can't do that. You can't – in the same way that the NCAA, like, took away USC's championships and took away Reggie Bush's Heisman Trophy. You can't tell me that USC didn't win the national championship on the field and that Reggie Bush wasn't the best player in college football. Just like, it's a race sorry, they won. You don't get to do that. Um, so you're not going to just say that nobody won that World Series, and you're not – you're definitely not going to award it to the Dodgers just because. That's not how that works. So anybody trying to say that that's a thing, that's not a thing. Um, so this is what you have to do. The people who are in charge of running the organization, like on a day-to-day, on-the-field level, are the general manager who's responsible for the roster and the manager who's responsible for what happens in the clubhouse, on the field, etc. So in the same way that Sean Payton was suspended a year when New Orleans had all the bounty gate stuff happening, when players were, when there were monetary games. I forgot all about that. <clears throat> When players were getting paid to target other players and like if they injured people, they were getting paid to do that. Even if Sean Payton had no idea, like it's his organization, it's his team that he has to have control of. If he doesn't know that's happening, then it's showing that he doesn't have control and he needs to be held responsible for that. So Sean Payton was suspended for an entire year, reasonably, but he's, if not the best, one of the best football coaches in the game. You're not going to fire him. So they kept him around. Um, so I'm okay with Hinch and the GM getting suspended. I'm shocked that they fired them. My thing is I don't like this being a firing because, in a way, how is this penalizing the team? Because they're getting fired, so they're losing their jobs, but the team doesn't necessarily. Managers more – I'm not going to say more in baseball. I don't know. a lot. Actually, more in baseball because you are literally living with these people for 180 straight days plus. You have 162 games managing personalities and getting everybody to be – on the same boat and on the same level and willing to go out there day in and day out with everybody, that is a huge job, and that's what a baseball manager does in addition to, like, determining what is happening on the field with shifts and stuff. Like, all of that kind of comes down from the GMs now, too, with analytics and all these things. So players can – they have sheets that tell them where to go win and stuff. Um, So there are – 
some things here and there that baseball managers do during the game. But for the most part, they're they're managing their players' personalities. And to lose that, like this is Hinch is one of the best managers in the game. Like everyone across the board, analysts and reporters feel that way. Like the way he talks about the games, the way he talks about the players, the way the players talk about him, he is incredibly important to that. And one minute thirty seconds. Man. Yep, perfect. So we're gonna end on this note. So oh, I have is a side note. Continue. Okay. I, so that's to me. This is this is a huge, huge story. Um, additionally, MLB will find the Astros five million dollars and take away their first and second round picks into the 2020 and 2021 draft. So that is also huge. Taking away draft picks. That's how Houston has been built up over the years. Was yeah, drafting yeah. really well. So the fine. Who cares? Five million dollars to an owner. Whatever. That's they, nothing. That's literally nothing. But draft picks and. <laughs> and suspending the manager and general manager, that's huge. So I think Houston is screwed for the next two years. But that's what happens when you cheat in the World Series. Yep. Idiots. Did you see that before we end real quick? Did you see that Mookie Becks got... Um, $27 million in arbitration? Yes. That's I thought a that lot was of money. insane. <laughs> but, I mean, he, MVP candidate, also considered one of the but best like, all-around players in the game. They were also considering trading him. <laughs> so well, that's that's, that was funny to yeah. me. Arbitration is its own crazy thing to explain. Yeah, I don't understand We won't get that. into it right now. We only have a few seconds till we can <laughs> sustain the live. So, yeah, so that was sports. Yeah. We'll be here next week. Thanks for tuning in if you're on Instagram at any point. Uh, share the podcast if you like it. I'm Jacob Bomber. I'm Jake Mathis. See ya.